Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Chris. This is episode 166 of the Libertarian Republican Podcast. Thanks again for for listening. Uh, So this one is about Murray Rothbard's essay, The Anatomy of the State. And like I mentioned, you know, this was a, um, an episode, I mean, uh, a, a, an essay that I read sort of early on, you know, after I, I did an episode about this, uh, um, maybe episode, I don't know, two or three or four around there somewhere. One of the first episodes was about the 2008 financial crisis. And when I started you know, I was trying to figure out what happened and I was trying to find out, I was trying to find books that, that would tell me what happened and it was very hard, obviously. But I, uh, I did, I was steered in the right direction by uh, a couple of people and one guy in particular, but, um, and I, I, found, I found guys like Ron Paul and Tom Woods and Murray Rothbard. And one of the first books I read of, of his was that What Has Government Done to Our Money?, but then, um, since then, I've read a lot more Rothbard, and he is—he really lays it out here in in uh, uh, Anatomy of the State. Basically, what he's what he's talking about is, you know, what it starts. The first chapter is what the state is not, and the second chapter is what the state is, and then he goes on to talk about, you know, how the state defends itself, protects itself, and, and, uh, and, and this is what I've been talking about. This is a, a, a running theme. I mean, this is, you can see underlying my philosophy, you can see this is one of the big influences on me, and I think everybody should read it. And I, I'm going to just, I'm gonna, I'll call this part one, Anatomy of the State Part 1, because I'm not going to go through the whole thing, because that would just take too long. It's not that long, though. It's only about 55 pages or so. So it's pretty short. So I think everybody, like I said, it's an essay. It's not really a book. But uh, so at the beginning here, uh, I'll just dive right in here. At the beginning, he's, he says uh, in one of the first paragraphs here, Quote, with the rise of democracy, the identification of the state with society has been redoubled until it is common to hear sentiments expressed which violate virtually every tenet of reason and common sense, such as we are the government. The the useful collective term we has enabled an ideological camouflage to be thrown over the reality of public life. If we are the government, then anything a government does to an individual is not only just and untyrannical, but also voluntary on the part of the individual concerned. If the government has incurred a huge public debt, which must be paid by taxing one group for the benefit of another, this reality of burden is obscured by saying that we owe it to ourselves. If the government conscripts a man or throws him into, into jail for dissident opinion, then he is doing it to himself, and therefore nothing untoward has occurred. Under this reasoning, any Jews murdered by the Nazi government were not murdered. Instead, they, they must have committed suicide, since they were the government, which was democratically chosen. And therefore, anything the government did to them was voluntary on their part. 
One would not think it necessary to belabor this point, and yet the overwhelming bulk of the people hold this fallacy to a greater or lesser degree. Which is, so he's, that, that's, I, I, stopping there, that is, I remember during the Obama years, Obama saying, government is, the, is what we do together. But no, no, government is a group of people, and he's going to go on and, and talk about this, but you know, we are not the government, especially as the, the, as the government gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and we are more and more detached from it. You know, we are more, uh, for example, can you go to Joe Biden and talk to him and tell him what you think? No, you can't. So to, to suggest that Joe Biden, and, and like I've said before, you know, America has become this kind of dictatorship, really. It's one man. You know, one man is one man runs the country. The president runs the country because the president is in charge of the uh, of the executive branch, and the legislative branch really doesn't do that much. They pass laws and stuff, so you know some laws, but most of the stuff that happens, most of the stuff that controls your life, is just some sentence spoken by by Joe Biden or written down by some bureaucrat in the executive branch, one of the executive branch regulatory agencies. So, and they're completely unelected. So this whole, you know, this whole idea that we are the government, the government is us, it's what we do together. Even the whole idea of democracy has become a, a sort of a mockery now. I mean, America is a mockery of a democracy. It's not really a democracy anymore. It's just a bureaucracy. It's a, it's a, there are a bunch of unelected bureaucrats, and you will do what they say. <laughs> you will do what they tell you, or else they will throw you in jail. You know, that's, that's basically what America is now. Uh, but he, he goes on, um, we must therefore emphasize that we are not the government. The government is not us. The government does not in any accurate sense represent the majority of the people. Even if it did, even if 70% of the people decided to murder the remaining 30%, this would still be murder. So, you know, and I, I've talked about this before about democracy, you know, the rule of the majority. If, if, if the majority, just because the majority decides something that doesn't make it right, and, you know, that's the whole, that was supposed to be the whole point of America was we have basic rights and nobody can violate those rights, not even a majority, not, not the government, not even a, a government that is elected by the majority. So, um, okay, he goes on, if then the state is not us, if it is not the human family getting together to decide mutual problems, well, then what is it? Um, the, the, he, he, the, okay, quote, while other individuals or institutions obtain their income by production of goods and services and by the peaceful and voluntary sale of those goods and services to others, the state obtains its revenue by the use of compulsion, that is, by the use and the threat of the jailhouse and the bayonet. Having used force and violence to obtain its revenue, the state generally goes on to regulate and dictate the other actions of its individual subjects." So basically, he's talking about the, the, the government gets its money by force, by tax it, taxing, uh, taxation. So uh, now the second uh, 
part of this. So the next little mini chapter is what the state is. And he, he, he's, he expounds on what he just mentioned. He talked about production and selling people. You know, what, how do you make your money? You, you, you produce something and you sell it to someone. That's how you get, that's how you get your money. And nobody is going to sell you anything unless they feel like they are going to be better off after the sale. Nobody's going to exchange with you unless they feel like they are going to be better off. And you're not going to exchange with somebody unless you feel you're going to be better off at at the end of the exchange. So this is peaceful, voluntary, mutually beneficial exchange. And that's how society works. Uh, But of course, that's not how government works, right? Uh, Okay, so he starts here. He says, Man is born naked into the world and needing to use his mind to learn how to take the resources given to him and to transform them into shapes and forms where the resources can be used for the satisfaction of his wants and the advancement of his standard of living. The only way man can do this is by the use of his mind and energy to transform these resources, which we call production, and then to exchange these products for products created by others. So that is the only natural course for man to survive and to attain wealth. Um, and, and, and that's the way it should be, right? That's the way it should be. And he goes on, and this is, he mentions John Locke, and I've mentioned John Locke a, a million times, the uh, second treatise on government. John Locke puts it, man mixes his labor with, the, with resources to create things. Um, but, uh, and then he goes on, um, the, 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 the great German sociologist Franz Oppenheimer, and I mentioned him before, the, he, he wrote a book called The State. Uh, Oppenheimer pointed out that there are two mutually exclusive ways of acquiring wealth. One, the above way of production and exchange, which he calls the economic means. And the other way, is simpler in that it does not require productivity. It is the way of seizure of another's goods or services by the use of force and violence. This is the method of one-sided confiscation of theft of the property of others. This Oppenheimer calls the political means to wealth. Uh, So it, it should be equally clear, okay, quote, it should be equally clear that the coercive exploitative means is contrary to natural law. It is parasitic, right? I use that word all the time, parasites. Uh, For instead of adding to production, it subtracts from it. The political means siphons production off to a parasitic and destructive individual or group. And this siphoning not only subtracts from the number producing, but also lowers the producer's incentive to produce beyond his own subsistence. In the long run, the robber destroys his own subsistence by dwindling or eliminating the source of his own supply. By not only that, even in the short run, the predator, or but not only that, even in the short run, the predator is acting contrary to his own true nature as a man. So, okay, so now he goes into the, the position to answer more fully the question, what is the state? It is the organization of the political means. It is the systematization of the predatory process over a given territory. 
Um, the for crime at best is sporadic and uncertain. The parasitism is ephemeral, and the coercive parasitic lifeline may be cut off at any time by the resistance of the victims. The state, the government, he's talking about, and I, I, I should have started by mentioning that when he says the state, he's talking about the government. Um, the government, the, the state provides a legal, orderly, systematic channel for the predation of private property, right? So that is, uh, he goes on to say, the classic paradigm is a conquering tribe pa- pausing in its time-honored method of looting and murdering a conquered tribe to realize that the time span of plunder would be longer and more secure and the situation more pleasant if the conquered tribe were allowed to live and produce with the conquerors settling among them as rulers exacting a steady annual tribute. <laughs> right? So, uh, so that is what, that is the, uh, what I always talk about, right? You, you have productive people and you have non-productive people. And the, the traditional relationship between government should be that we, the productive people pay taxes to a government, and in, in return for those taxes, the government provides people, the taxpayers, with certain services and some per- public services and, and public goods like roads and bridges and sewer systems and police and fire departments and, and uh, uh, national security, border security, you know, a military to defend against invasions, things like that. And that makes sense. That, but is that what America is now? America is, you know, seventy percent of the, the the money that America that that the tax um, that the uh, American government takes in, the federal government takes in, is just given away to other people in basically in exchange for votes. It's just a vote buying scheme now. And you know, we complain about our our infrastructure, and you know, everything's old and. Um, we have to update our, our air traffic control systems and, you know, all this stuff. And, and, but we're not doing any of those things because we're just the, because the government is busy taking our money and buying votes with it and, and giving it away to other countries like Ukraine, um, and, and getting us involved in wars that don't benefit us. Uh, we, we pay for the wars, but they, they, the only people who really benefit from the wars are the defense contractors. Really, I mean that's what it is. And and the and of course the Washington power elites. And I talked about this in that episode a few episodes ago about the military having trouble finding recruits. So th- this this kind of you know what? And he he wrote this by the way in 1974. So you know this is the kind of thing that changes the way you think. This kind of essay, and, and that's just the first two little mini chapters, uh, because he goes on to talk about uh, how the state protects itself, and and uh, you know there's a few. It it goes on. Uh, it's fifty fifty five pages, I think. So, I really encourage you to read this. It really makes you skeptical of government. The government is, like I've said, it can be you. It can be a a valuable tool to provide the taxpayers with certain services. And, and some of those services could be 
a, a safety net, a social safety net, so that if we do fall on hard times or if our house burns down or if we lose our job or whatever, there, there can be a little uh, a program there with some, some, um, some um, you know, savings in a bank account that can be used to help us to get back on our feet. But that's not really what that's not what the government is anymore, is it? It's so broke. It's completely. It it spends way too much money. It's it spends way more money than it takes in. It it's incredibly irresponsible with our money, uh, and we don't elect politics. We don't. You know, the American people don't seem to care too much about about balancing the budget and reducing the national debt because we have. Because so many people in America now benefit from government spending, and that's what they want, right? They want the government to, I mean, the government wants you to be dependent on them. They want you to need government so that you'll vote for more government. And so what we've turned, you know, you know this, the federal government, America has turned into this two-party system where you have the ta- and i've talked about this before the taxpayers versus the tax consumers and we're we're getting to the point where the tax consumers outnumber the taxpayers i did an episode a long time ago called unsustainable um i don't know that was like, like 2 years ago i did that episode and uh it basically yeah america is becoming the, has already long long ago long since become this unsustainable model where we have way too many people who are dependent on government and we've, we've got fewer and fewer people putting actually paying into the government and so as as the number of people uh depending you know spending the taxpayer money goes up and up and up the number of people actually paying taxes goes down 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 and the burden on each taxpayer goes up. So, so yeah, you might want to go back and look at, listen to that episode uh, about, it's called Unsustainable. Uh, it's, it's, I think it was like, I don't know, 15 or 16 or something like that. But, um, um, so th- I, I encourage you to read Rothbard's An- uh, Anatomy of the State. It's, uh, it will change your sort of It'll re- rewire your brain, I think, a little bit <laughs> into really seeing what the government is. And, and, and this is 1974. It's gotten much worse since then. Uh, but but Oppen- Franz Oppenheimer really, you know, he was a, a, a German sociologist and really genius book, also The State. And this also is related to, uh, which I think the state was written in I, about 1908, I think. So it was a 1900s book. And then you can also, uh, I did that episode a few episodes ago about Bastiat's The, the Law. And it's the same kind of thing. You know, when you have uh, the Bastiat's talking about the law and, you know, basically the state. He's talking about a lot of these same things. So these these guys are all, it's all... The, the, this is the libertarian philosophy, sort of the the pedigree of the the scholarship behind this kind of of the this kind of philosophy. You know, the, 
like I've said before, we, we believe in limited government and we need to, we need to explain why. You know, we need to be able to explain why we believe in limited government. We have to be able to make these arguments that, you know, government can be useful for certain things, but because, and I, I did another episode called The Perverse Incentives of Government, because the government doesn't really have any incentive to solve problems. So, so it's, it, it has the incentive to perpetuate problems. And... Like, for example, black America in, in black urban America, the, you know, the Democrat Party has destroyed our, our, our once great cities because, because that creates dependence and that's what they want. They don't want anybody to be free and independent and self-sufficient and prosperous because then you won't need them. And what are, what are these stupid, useless, worthless Democrats going to do with their lives? If they can't work for the government and promise, you know, run for re-election, promising to solve your problems, you know, if they solve your problems, they can't run for re-election, promising to solve your problems. So, so yeah, um, I think that we need to be able to make these arguments about the the inherent problems with government, and that's why we want government to be small. Because I think a lot of Democrats, the Democrat voters. They like to think that they're the smart ones. They're the ones who've read philosophy. They're the ones who, they've got you know, they've got college degrees, and you know, uh, they went to Harvard, and and you know, no, they're actually really stupid people. They're the dumbest people, and uh, people who believe in limiting the power of government are the smartest people, and we need to be able to convince them of that because there are some voters out there democrat voters who can be convinced but they have to be convinced by making good arguments and that's what i'm doing here that's what i'm trying to do with this podcast okay that is it that is the uh, that's episode 166 i hope you like this podcast if you if you do give me some Give me some good shares on social media. I'm going to put, I'll post it up there. I, I got to actually get better about posting these things on social media. Sometimes I'll do an episode and never post it, never post it anywhere. Um, but um, uh, if you can help me out with sharing it and uh, I will see you on the next one. All right. Bye-bye.